0: Kia ora, I'm Maria. I'm Mori and Pakia.
1: And I'm Kate, and I'm Iranian Australian. And you're listening to Being Biracial, the podcast all about navigating the world as a biracial person.
0: We want to acknowledge that we are recording this podcast on the unceded sovereign lands of the Boon Wurong and Woi Wurong people of the Eastern Kulin Nation.
1: And we want to offer our respect to the elders of these lands, past, present and those yet to come, and acknowledge traditional owners from the lands where this podcast is reaching you.
0: Today, we are going to be chatting to Monique Naya about being biracial. Monique is one of our Maribyrnong community stories. She is an emerging writer and is part of the West Writers Group at Footscray Community Arts. So she's kind of part of the family. Uh, Monique is also an editor at Mascara Literary Review and writes on topics such as diaspora experiences, intergenerational and intercultural connections and identity. Hi, thanks so much for having me. It's I'm
2: really excited to be here.
0: So, we always start um, by asking, what is your mix?
2: Okay, so my mix is Indian, Italian, and Polish. Um, yeah, it's a three way mix, I guess. Um, so, my dad's Indian, born and brought up in India, and my mum is Italian Polish, but she's born here. So, both of her parents migrated to Australia.
1: When did your dad come to Australia?
2: He came in 88, um, but before that, he was living in Bahrain for about six years. Oh, and, wow. Yeah.
1: And how come he migrated to Australia?
2: He was looking just for better opportunities, work, life, all that kind of thing. He didn't want to stay in Bahrain. Um, for, for, like, he wasn't, he was just planning to stay there short term, um, make some money, experience, and then find somewhere else to migrate to.
1: Did you grow up in the country, or was your, did your mum grow up in the country? Yeah,
2: my mom grew up in the country from Muldura and then she came here uh as a teenager uh yeah, with her older sister just yeah again for opportunity for work because there was nothing much in her country town it's like fruit picking and
1: <laughs> not much um, at the time so yeah work and opportunity but she was like raised by micro parents yeah. i presume mm-hmm. and is on that- a farm yeah wow what kind no. of farm
2: <laughs> goats cows chickens Vegetables, yeah. <laughs> no sheep, a real Kate. farm. <laughs> grew up yeah, on no a sheep, sheep. farm. Oh, ah, okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, but not as far as Mildura. That's like a particular part of the world. Mm. Do you think that uh, your biracial identity was something that they were thinking about while while they were raising you?
2: They did, but not to a um, large extent, I guess. Um, I, th- I don't think they were like conscious about like let's, you know, like, put you in these, make sure you're really connected to your culture. I don't think they were that kind of consciously doing it. Um, I think my dad was for a while, um, but my mom, I think, maybe she herself is a little bit disconnected to her heritages um, because she didn't learn either of her parents' languages growing up. Um, So, yeah, her. So my mom's mom can speak German, Polish, and a bunch of different European languages um, because she ended up traveling through Europe um, when she was young, cause it was kind of like world war two or like Hitler, or Hitlerized time. So they just were traveling to get away from that. Then they came to Australia. So she picked up a bunch of European languages and then, yeah, my grandfather, Italian, but like a specific dialect, a Northern Slavic-ish Italian dialect. Um, but yeah, they didn't teach any of their children. And my dad, he, yeah, he grew up speaking a number of different languages, so he speaks Hindi because that's the national language of India, but also um, Malayalam, which is his um, the language that his parents spoke from the region they're originally from, so from Kerala. Um, and also Tamil, he ended up speaking growing up. And then he had to learn Marathi, uh, English, Sanskrit in school and yeah, just being in Mumbai. So a lot of, lot of language stuff for him. And then, yeah, as I was a child, I th- he tried to teach me a little bit of Hindi, but I think, yeah, not – I didn't properly learn any of my languages. Um, I think he thought it was too hard to teach me, being – you know, like only having one parent who speaks the language and not having Indian family here, so there's no not much support to learn the language and also not really being involved in a lot of um, – I don't know, Indian community things and, yeah, I don't think he really knew about any classes for children at the time and things like that. So I think, um, yeah, it's difficult for parents to teach their language, um, especially if it's just one parent, that language. Um,
0: and especially if they're both living in a country that neither of them are from apart from your mum who was born mm. here. But, yeah, like he's he he migrated here and, you know, having to keep that language alive for his children must have been hard hard choice to make. Like my dad didn't pass on his language to me and that's definitely trauma based reasons. <laughs> 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 but um, you know, like I think I'm I'm not a parent, so I can't I can't think about how how to make those choices.
1: Yeah. You know? Have you ever um tried to learn any of the languages from your numerous heritages, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I have. I've tried. I've tried to start learning Hindi a number of times, um, and I know like a little bit. Like I can understand bits and pieces, but I've, yeah, I've tried to sit down and like I've bought a book and I've le- started using Duolingo. I've kind of gone in and out of that, um, and I listen. I listen to Hindi music and watch the films and things like that. Um, but yeah, I just haven't really seriously sat down and learnt it. But it's something I want to do. Um, an Italian. Like I, I know a little, t- I don't know, tiny bit. I don't know how. Just as a kid, I just ended up picking up. I don't know how to count and some basic words and things like that. Because I think my mum can understand a little, little bit. But yeah, definitely learning Hindi is something I'd like to do in the future.
0: Do you feel like when you watch Bollywood films that um, you identify with it, or are you just like watching, like, "Hey, this is so
2: cool! I love this!" Like, how you, how do you feel about it? I don't know. I guess there's a level of like, I identifying or just kind of watching for enjoyment I mean like anyway when we watch films like most people predominantly watch American films and like that's a culture difference as well so I don't know there's always kind of like a level of difference when you're watching films um, or even like not even seeing your cultural representation on screen there's kind of always a bit of a distance but I think there's always ways to connect usually like there's something you can connect to and resonate with.
1: I guess when you were growing up and, and watching stuff on Australian TV, do you, did you like see yourself in any shows or anything like that or any books that you were reading?
2: Yeah, growing up I don't think I really saw anything. Um, so I think, yeah, maybe that's why I really liked like – I really loved Bollywood as a child. Maybe it was a bit of a reflection thing. Oh, I didn't think consciously of it at the time because, um, yeah, I remember just, I don't know, watching Neighbours when I was a kid and it's like, yeah, why – suburban stuff um <laughs> which was fine but like yeah I, I, don't, I didn't see anything until um till I remember uh Benjamin Law's show come out which was when was that a few years ago and that was really exciting it's like oh it's a it's family show not a white family um it's not my cultural mix but it's like it's nice to see Asian Australian family on screen yeah i just i've been watching jenny
0: and georgia and it's like a, a a black american um and white american mixed girl and i'm like yes i'm seeing this she does like the slam poetry thing about being biracial and i'm like want to record it <laughs> and like have yeah, it as my ringtone but like that's not my mix that's not even in anywhere near our countries um but i'm still like very connected to it
1: and love it no i love that that's great (laughs) i think i had that a bit um did you watch never have i ever on netflix yeah love that yeah i was like i needed this as a child this Mm, this is what i needed to see
2: i need to watch that you
1: haven't watched it no what were your feelings about never have i ever
2: i loved it um yeah really cool to see uh, Indian teenage girl in yeah in an American teenage drama. And it was also, it was also cool that she was um like from the south of India as well because there's I think often representation of Indian people is usually north or yeah um so south is that that was cool because I'm also south but different different south but yeah it was cool um and and it was really cool that it was the show wasn't about her like cultural experience it was about her like teenage experience her grief her friends love story it was like a whole bunch of different things but it did touch on the kind of cultural and identity issues um in a really yeah really interesting nuanced way I thought so I think yeah I had a really nice mix of a lot of things yeah, uh, yeah I wish yeah I wished I saw that as a teenager
1: yeah I I really appreciate when um television or movies like they're their ethnic background is like a plot point in a way, but they're not like their tokenistic mm-hmm. black character, for instance. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, and it's and um like we are so much more than our race and our mixes and and all of those things. Um, and seeing just a story about someone being, you know, who happens to be biracial, and that being the whole crux of the show is yeah tokenistic and I'm
1: um, I now I really want to go and watch Never Have Ever um do you see yourself as a person of color
2: um I think I do because I don't see myself as white but yeah I don't think I've really said that out loud like called myself a person of color I know it's like a box I've ticked when I've filled out like applications for things and they have that category um but yeah, I think I more call myself like mixed or something. Do you feel like it depends on who you talk to as well?
0: Like if it's a white person asking me, like, where are you from? What are you? Like I'm like, Oh am moldy. Like I'm brown. Shut up. But when it's like a when it's like a, another person of colour which is definitely a catch uh, Um, when it's another person of color, I'm like, oh yeah, my dad's Maori and my mum's white, and like mm. I fuck a puppet to like you know <laughs> at the top of the North
2: Island, like all this stuff. Like I tell a whole story,
0: but when it's a white person, I'm like, you ain't getting nothing from me.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I think I, yeah, I kind of tell different things to different people. Yeah, not as not as different as you. Like I think I do explain to white people, <laughs> um. But yeah, I do say, like, oh, my dad's from here, my mum's from here. Um, but then I think I only explain um, to Indian people the kind of regional Indian stuff. Because if you ask some, like, if an Indian person asks me, where am I from? I can't just say India because, like, the the region you're from is really important because that, you know, that is linked to, like, culture and food and language and things like that. So, um, yeah, explaining that is important in that situation. But for, like, other people, they have, they have no idea. India's India, but. <laughs> For a lot of people, so yeah.
0: What um, mix do people presume you are? Do you get that? Do you get different ethnicities like lumped on you?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get lots of different guesses, um, and I'm not. I know a lot of mixed people get offended by assumptions or guesses. Um, I don't know. I find it interesting <laughs> when people guess something or assume something. Or usually they they just ask because I kind of look ambiguous, and people don't know. So they're like, "Oh, what's your background?" or something. Um, but yeah, I think people have mistaken me uh, for a lot of different things, like um yeah, sometimes sometimes people actually guess Indian or some other South Asian or Middle Eastern. I do get um and then like Italian, Greek, the kind of Southern European stuff because I've kind of got those, I don't know olive, brown, those kind of features that yeah, kind of pass for a lot of, yeah, a lot of those kind of countries. But yeah, I think a lot of uh, South Asians who grow up here often don't recognize me as Indian. Like when I was in high school, I don't think like any of the other South Asian students knew I was Indian. I think I had like one Sri Lankan girl in my friend group and like she didn't know I was Indian until like our last year. And she's like, what, you're Indian? Um, so that's interesting that I'm not actually recognized. And I think that kind of, yeah created I don't know made me feel uncomfortable when I was growing up Um, but it's interesting that I think a lot of Indians like born in India Indians can recognize like they'll ask me oh where are you from oh I thought so because you've got Indian eyes or something like that Um, but yeah people grow up here yeah not as easy to recognize.
1: So that experience of like not being seen by other students Mm. how did that make you feel?
2: Yeah I think quite disconnected and yeah I think it was it was hard yeah to be disconnected that way and also I think my high school uh, my high school was majority Middle Eastern um, and there was quite but there was quite a lot of uh, there's quite a big population of like Indian Sri Lankan and other South Asian um, and then yeah some like Anglo and Asian as well Um, but yeah it like Middle Eastern people were friends with Middle Eastern people and all the South Asians were kind of in one group and my group happened to be like this mixed eclectic group I don't know how we just happened to be the mixed um the mixed group um but yeah I wasn't I wasn't in with the South Asians ever in primary school or high school I think I had one other Indian friend yeah she knew my background but yeah other yeah other people didn't um so it made me feel like I don't know I'm not really yeah I guess I felt like I wasn't really enough of anything oh uh, yeah I'm, uh, am I anything do I fit everywhere nowhere <laughs> Yeah, all that kind of in-between feeling, which was, yeah, it was difficult at the time. But I think I'm, yeah, I'm more comfortable with it now.
1: Why do you think that is?
2: I think I was, like, confused for a long time or just disconnected um, to my heritage. But I think um, towards the end of high school, um, uni, started to, I don't know, reconnect or try to understand Um, my roots a bit more. So I think that helped and also maybe interacting with, yeah, interacting with people of Indian heritage, which I didn't really do that much in high school. Um, Yeah, I think that helps like being in contact with people and then being recognised by people. But yeah, I don't, I'm never recognised as like Italian or Polish, but I don't have any connection to my Polish heritage. I don't, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> but, um, um, that's that's okay. Like, I've come to terms with that. That's fine. Italian, a little. Yeah, I have some connection to Italian heritage. I think my mum is, I don't know, kind of Italian in mindset, um, even though she doesn't speak the language. Like, she's kind of like Italian mum.
1: <laughs> what does an Italian mindset mean?
2: Um, I don't know. I guess, I guess she's... Um, It's interesting because she doesn't really see herself as Australian, even though she grew up here. She sees herself as European. So um, I think to her that's kind of like, I don't know, like family mindset, putting like family first, Um, food, like Italian food um, over feeding your children. Just like, like, (laughs) like really like just, yeah, a lot with the food kind of stuff.
0: What type of food does she
2: make? lasagna, soup, Yum. pasta. <laughs> oh, she makes everything, but so that's like the Italian stuff. She, she makes like stir fries and other stuff as well, but yeah.
1: <laughs> so did you grow up eating a mix of Indian and Italian food? Yes.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, my dad makes curries and dal and all that Indian stuff Yum. and then the Italian food, which is, yeah, I'm really glad that I grew up with those two foods. I like the best foods in the world. But.
1: <laughs> I um, sometimes play this game with my friends. That is uh, that we're going to now play on air, um, which is uh, if for the rest of your life you could only eat. I'm asking both of you if you could only eat five nations' cuisines. What would your five be? I'll start with mine. Five is a lot.
2: You say okay, that yes. until you start. This is oh, the true.
1: this is the rest of your life and no other. Hmm. This is, this is it. Okay, so mine are Indian, Italian, <laughs> Iranian, Japanese, and Chinese. But in that mix, I'm like giving up Thai food. I'm giving up Vietnamese food. I'm giving up Mexican food, Greek food. Like there's so many. So, what
0: are you? What are you guys's? Okay, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. Um, Okay, so I'm gonna say, I'm gonna do a catch all for Pacifica food. Great. So, you know that includes a lot of seafood. Like, gonna get the hungies up in there. Like, gotta say it. Um, Can't go the rest of my life without fried bread. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Thai food. Love Thai food. Also love Vietnamese food. Oh, no. Now I'm running out of – Oh, out. five
1: so many, she says. <laughs> five so many.
0: What? Oh, my God. <laughs> um, Italian? Yep. Yep. That's got cheese. Yeah, cheese. There's cheese in that. Um, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. The choices are paralyzing. Japanese. I mean – oh, no, Mexican. Sorry. Goodbye, Japanese. Hello, Mexican food.
2: What about you Monique? <laughs> it's a good mix. Um yeah, I think definitely Indian, Italian, um Japanese and what else? Two more. Oh, I love dips and things, so I probably need some like either Turkish food or yeah, Turkish food. Um and then Chinese probably. Oh
1: crap. <laughs> Yeah, you missed out, Maria. Yeah, you life can't life eat slashing. at my
0: place.
2: <laughs> my life's
0: flashing before my eyes.
1: Talk to us about your relationship with your name. My name?
2: Okay, so Monique is a French name and I'm not French, um, which kind of throws people Because they they sometimes ask me, oh, Monique, oh, are you French? And I was like, no, I'm like three things, but I'm not French. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that was just a name that my parents liked. There's no, like, special thing there. I think my grandma had a thing for M's at the time. So I had to have an M name, apparently. Um, And then my parents liked that one. And I've got two middle names. One's a Western name, one's an Indian name, because my parents wanted both. Um and then, yeah, my surname, um yeah, I think I had a bit of bit of an issue with that, just because like it's people always pronounce it nair and it 's naya, and like i don't mind people uh making the mistake Cause I obviously like a- people say A-I-R and they think air so nair fair enough, fair enough, but it's interesting that my parents say nair with other ah. people and just, I don't know, they want to make it easier for other people. And then I was doing that too. And then I kind of just got sick of that in high school. And I was like, I'm going to stop doing this. Because, like, I don't need to. You know, I can say my name how it is. And if people make a mistake and say nair, then, like, that, like that's okay. That's their mistake. Fair enough. Um, But, like, why do I need to, I don't know, like, say the easy way or say the Australian way it's not even a really hard, long, complicated Indian surname because you see those, but this is, yeah, it's like Naya, it's, it's not that hard. So I, yeah, I think after, because high school was awkward because already, I don't know, like teachers and office staff already knew Naya, so I couldn't be like, actually it's Naya, um, but yeah, I made like a decision after high school. I'm not saying Nair ever again to anyone. So now I, say, now I say "naya" and I spell it to people if they like have to take my name or something like "naya" N-A-I-R, because it's like, yeah, it, it's, it's my name. I shouldn't say something else.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just had to really actively listen just then <laughs> because like, fuck yeah.
1: <laughs> I feel like it, it's like you reclaiming you.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think it's a bit of that. Um, I'm probably also connected to, like, I think I went through a phase where I was very disconnected to my culture. So that was, it didn't bother me, but then I started to connect. So I'm like, I, I want my name back. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do I you want- have any experiences with your names? I know a lot of people do. Oh,
0: I got, I have so many names. <laughs> <laughs> I have f- five names. So my parents also, my mum named me. um... And Maria was just a name that she liked. (laughs) She was like, "Mm, love that. Going to call my daughter that. It'll be cute. Um, And then I have two middle names as well. Um, Nancy Jane. So um, pretty white. Nancy is actually my mum's mum's name. And her name was Nancy Jessie. Um, So mum called me Nancy Jane. (laughs) So again, just random. pulling names out of a hat. And then um, my last name is Double Barrel. So it's Birch, which is my mum's name and Moranga which is my dad's name um, and I have to spell that my my email addresses at every place I've worked have been my full first name and my two last names it's like freaking over 10 letters it's ridiculous and you'd think I'd have the phonetic spelling of it down but I don't I just really don't
1: <laughs> my name experience is that Kate Robinson is the most common name that has ever existed um, and <laughs> And in fact, in university, um, I lived on campus. I went to ANU in Canberra. Um, and there was another Kate Robinson who also lived on campus. Um, we didn't live at the same place, but, um, literally in, in the first week I met, made some friends in my Asian studies course. And, um, they were like, Oh, Kate Robinson, you like live at at the college that we live at. And I was like, no no I don't They were like we've we've seen your name on the door and I was like no no that's not me and so for the for my entirety of my university experience uh there was my myself and then another Kate Robinson and to her I was the other Kate Robinson and she also did Asian studies and her birthday is um just a couple of days before mine um So I have one friend who um, used to, like, when Facebook birthdays were a thing, she would always wish me happy birthday on the other Kate Robinson's birthday because it would just pop up and she would be like, oh, there she is. Um, And to the extent that like when I got a library card, they would be like, oh, we already have a Kate Robinson in our system um, from like the street that we all lived on. And I was like, no, 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 it's not me. And then um, like the university, the university stuffed it up um, and sent me a letter for her. And it was like about whether she got into exchange or not. And I had to reply being like, Sorry, wrong person. Um, Yeah, just out here. So this is the flip side of having a really common name is that you end up with other people's exchange offers. (laughs) Your mistaken identity. Exactly. No
0: library card for you, Kate Robinson. I know what you're trying to do. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Um, But my middle name is Rochelle, which is also French, uh, which is also not my mixes. So... Here we are, just Mm. Monique and Rochelle, just two girls. (laughs) Two biracial, not French girls.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You have siblings? Yeah, yeah. So
1: I've got a younger
2: sister. She's 17.
0: Have you guys talked about being mixed race?
2: Yeah, yeah. We talk about that a lot, actually, Um, because I think we're both really different. Uh, Like She's much less connected to her heritage than I am. Um, and her features are yeah like not yeah different different to mine like we look similar but she's a bit more uh like white passing I guess and she knows that and she's she's happy with that because she kind of prefers to fit in and I guess she's I don't know I guess she's seen a bit more um discrimination I mean not personally but to other people so she kind of like doesn't really want to be um, yeah, like, known as Indian. Like, she doesn't want to deal with the stereotypes and things like that because she has had to deal with some stereotypes, um, which is – yeah, it's been hard for her. So, yeah, she prefers being more white-passing. But then when she's in India, she hates that she's, like, looks – doesn't look Indian enough. She really hates that. She – she um, yeah, gets really upset about, like, being – I don't know, like being like a look, like appearing like an I don't know, like an ignorant white girl or something like that. She kind of wishes she was, um, she spoke the language and she looked a bit more Indian, so she could fit in. Um, so yeah, it's like a double-edged kind of thing. Depends where you are. Depends where you want to fit into.
0: Do you guys go to India often?
2: Ah, uh, we've been three times. Yeah. Is it? Do you,
0: does your dad still have family back there? Yeah, like sis- yeah, brothers and sisters.
2: Yeah, yeah, all his family is there, pretty much. Yeah. Cousins and yeah, aunties, uncles, everything.
1: How do you feel being in India?
2: Ah, uh, yeah, I, I love our trips to India. It's really nice to, um, yeah, to visit family and everything. Yeah, it's sometimes it's a weird experience. Sometimes, especially last time when we went, uh, we went just before COVID last year, um, and we did a bit. Like we don't usually do that much kind of tourism kind of stuff. We just visit family, but this time we went to Delhi, Jaipur. Um, and Agora. so we did a lot of tourist things, and when you go to tourist places, there's two lines to buy tickets, there's the Indian line, and the foreigner line, and I had to go in the foreigner line, and my dad got to go in the Indian line, but only because he recently got a, um, I think the, like a non-resident Indian, he got the card thing, and he had to, he had to prove, he had to show the card, because like uh, like I don't know, he speaks his his accent is kind of mixed. It's like it's a, like Australian, Indian. Yeah, it's not as Indian as like um uh, like I don't know, maybe typical um Indian migrant accent. So like yeah, so he had to prove himself sometimes, and then we were just like foreigner. <laughs> um yeah, which which was weird. It was weird. I mean, I I know I'm I'm not from India, but it's very like. You're not from here. You're not one of us. Um, Yeah. And also that they charge differently. So, yeah, 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 of of course.
1: So, something that um, I have been thinking about um, is how you being, you know, you and your sister, for example, being more white passing, um, like how that plays out in an Indian context. Um, yeah,
2: it's complicated. I think it varies in the different regions in India. Um, so, in in Mumbai, if I'm in like uh, I don't know, like the city or like um, I don't know, main like popular kind of shopping places, then I can pass as a local because there are there are like Indians who are as fair as me. Um, yeah, so some some like shop people just straight away speak to me in Hindi. And just assume um, that I'm Indian. But if I go to other places like in Kerala, where they're more dark, typically, um, or in Agra, in Jaipur, yeah, definitely looked at as a foreigner. You get yeah, you get the looks if you <laughs> if you're fair um, and you look foreign, and then you uh, yeah, like a lot of foreigners will get you get more like beggars and that coming up to you and it's yeah it's it's hard um yeah what can you do
1: <laughs> do you feel like there's because I imagine that um because of this thing called colonization um like being more fair in an Indian context is seen as a positive thing so do people like come up to you and are like oh my god you're so beautiful like you're so you're so fair
2: yeah I have got a bit of that actually um yeah because there is that is the the ideal I guess the kind of fair skinned Indian um like if you look at Bollywood all the actors are on the fair side there's quite a few who are like mixed white and Indian something because that's kind of like um yeah people like that in terms of like beauty and looks and things like that um
1: yeah but have you spoken much to your dad about his experience about being, like, an Indian migrant in Australia in the 80s and 90s? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Like, I know – I think he never experienced racism.
2: Like, I think I asked him that and he – like, yeah, he's very sociable and friendly. Like, he seems to get along and fit in, like, everywhere. Um, so I think he's been pretty lucky, actually. Um my Yeah, my mum had a little bit of um, org stigma kind of stuff in school. Um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I think my parents were lucky. I think I've been lucky. I haven't experienced um, anything really bad. I mean, like a f- like some, I don't know, like comments, you know, like insensitive kind of comments sometimes. Um, but, yeah, nothing really serious. Same with, oh, same with my sister. I think my sister's experienced a bit more. But, yeah, nothing yeah, nothing like really serious. So yeah, we've been lucky.
1: I wonder why your sister's experienced a bit more if she's more white passing.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the, just the people she hangs around with, or she's seen more. Like she's had, she has friends who, who, and she's seen them be racist to mm. other
1: Ooh.
2: people. Like she's. I remember one time she was like walking the group of friends and then one of – someone called out curry muncher to it, some Indian girl walking past at school. Like my sister's seen that kind of stuff. Um, so she's like, oh, I'm glad I don't look that Indian so I don't get that stuff. Um, yeah, which is unfortunate.
1: Uh, it's all, all the pieces are falling <laughs> together. But I guess also your sister's a teenager so yeah. like she's at a different stage mm-hmm. in her identity journey. Mm. Yeah, when I was a teenager I wanted to be white. <laughs> So, Monique, you're a writer and I'm interested in whether your biracial identity or cultural heritage is something that you focus on in that.
2: Yeah, for a long time, it was not something I acknowledged. Like I think all through like high school and yeah, my childhood, I never wrote um, cultural based stories or like stories about people who weren't white. Like I think that was kind of my default. I wrote about white people and I didn't really think about it. I think I only started consciously thinking about it, um, after uni really. Um, and then for a while it was really hard because I didn't think that I was able to write about other cultures. Like I just didn't feel like I was enough of anything and I knew enough. Um, yeah, I guess I had a bit of, yeah, I think I've kind of struggled a little bit with imposter syndrome. Um, yeah, just, I mean, being half something, being a quarter of this, um, Australian, but then feeling like, oh, I'm not Australian enough because I'm not like this or like that. Um, So, yeah, I just didn't think I could write about anything. But then I tried, and I think it was really hard at the start. Um, Wrote some nonfiction stuff and, um, yeah, digged into myself, which was confronting at first. Um, But then I think I I pushed through, and then I was more comfortable um, with writing about that stuff. So, yeah, I think, yeah, recently in the last few years, yeah, writing with that kind of cultural lens has been – yeah, like important and something I've done more and more of. Um, like, yeah, I did honours last year in creative writing, so my whole project was about language issues for, um, yeah, like kids of migrant backgrounds and the kind of different struggles and different ways of navigating language and identity. So yeah, I really took up that <laughs> that like. Uh, yeah that issue of language and then yeah explored it in literature I wrote a creative piece and I also looked into the kind of linguistic research of that and the kind of social science part of that which was really interesting um uh so yeah I think that cultural writing stuff is is quite important to me and also I'm working with Indian Film Festival of Melbourne on um some of their like film projects um so yeah it's really cool to be working creatively in that space um and kind of yeah working on the kind of representation and of um these cultures um but yeah it's not something I thought about when I was younger so but I'm glad that I I've got there now and working with these communities and on
0: these awesome projects do you feel more of yourself
1: yeah I think so definitely I also want to ask about um, a bit more about your honours thesis, if that's okay. Yes. Because it sounds awesome. Um, So like what is some of the research that you were looking into around like linguistic differences and language differences?
2: So I looked a lot into, uh, well, I found this term called linguistic insecurity I didn't know it was a word.
1: Oh it my god, is, so. hard relate. I don't <laughs> yeah, even know well. what it means, but it's, I'm here for it. Can I get that tattooed on my face?
2: Because <laughs> um, yeah, I think I felt linguistic insecurity, but I never word for it. I'm just like uncomfortable with language, insecure. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that uh, there's been a few conceptualization of this definition, um, but it can it accounts for a few different things. Like when you um, uh, you can speak your language, but you're not fluent, so you feel kind of bad about it in some way or it's like when you don't speak your language and you know you feel like yeah kind of imposter syndrome like you're not like identified as being from that culture because you don't speak the language and then that kind of insecurity there that's me (laughs) that's me (laughs) um I think there's a third type there's a type you know you don't know am I missing something I think there are a lot of ways you can be insecure about your language yeah
1: and I, I I can't remember what the term is now but something that I've been reading about recently is um I don't know if it's like being having, having a passive language or something like that it's where oh yeah well, when you can understand but not speak exactly because yeah,
2: there are a lot of there are a lot of people like that
1: um Exactly, and that's my experience for sure, ah, is that I right, can understand, understand a lot more than I can say. Um, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's interesting. Um,
1: so, yeah, I was looking at that, but I think the the
2: main kind of idea that I found was that there tends to be the view, like if you don't know your language or you don't know it fluently, um, that's seen as like a total loss like you've lost your language you've lost your culture you've lost your identity and that that's kind of the general framing that you see like in the kind of social science research and if you look at like uh like a lot of short stories or novels that kind of deal with those themes there's this kind of overarching um narrative of loss with language and while like it's felt like it, it feels like that in a lot of cases it feels like a loss um there's also um, it can also be thought of as like change or just something different or, um, yeah. Cause I think the loss, like while it is a loss, it, that kind of framing of it as loss can kind of be problematic and that it puts blame on like the young generation for not knowing their language and like turning away from their culture and things like that. There's kind of a lot of, I don't know, like blame, um, related to that idea of loss, um,
0: and I guess it could be blame even on, like, parents yeah, exactly. for That's not teaching their yeah. language, like which we talked about earlier. Yeah. That's why language is one of
2: our questions. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah the whole the blame thing with language, um, but, but it's complicated because it's like, who do you blame? The individual, the parent, the country, the society. There's all these factors that come into play. Um, but ultimately, we can't just blame people. Like, if you don't know your language, I think you can, like make the decision to learn it or accept the fact that you're not going to know it and like you can identify to your culture in other ways I guess but it's hard yeah because I did like a creative practice thing I did the creative component so I wrote a story and then I also had an exegesis but my exegesis was basically a thesis um which is a bit rare for people who do creative things because usually the creative people are just like I want to write my story yeah and I really like the research so I did a lot of research um,
1: what was your creative piece about
2: so my story was about um three siblings in like an Indian Australian family and each of the kids they have a different relationship to um their parents language and it's just about how they navigate that so um the, there's the middle child like she doesn't know I went with the language Hindi um and so she doesn't know Hindi, but she, and, but she really feels connected to Indian culture, but she feels like she's not really um, you're pro- properly identified or accepted as Indian if she doesn't know the language. So she kind of goes on a journey of, like, trying to learn the language. And then there's her brother who um, he can understand. He used to speak, but then he was kind of bullied and ostracised a bit, so he stopped um, He stopped speaking. So now he just um, – yeah, like he's like a – Passive Hindi speaker. Uh, What's the term? Yeah. Anyway, he understands, but he can't speak. And then there's the younger sister who um, totally rejects her culture, has a bit of internalized racism, um, doesn't yeah doesn't identify with Indian culture. um, Starts learning Korean because she just like a bit rejecting of like white culture, Indian culture. Just wants to do something else, something different. So yeah, I kind of wanted to put all those different experiences in there to show that like it can be really different. Um loss is sometimes loss but sometimes it's change because the brother, um, he he's okay with just understanding. He's kind of accepted that and he's like, oh well, I did what I needed to at the time and it was hard and blah blah blah. Like he's accepted that. Um then there's the loss from the middle one. But she kind of comes to terms with the fact that she doesn't um, you know, learning the language won't make her I don't know, more Indian. It might help with connection but it's not like the be all end all kind of thing or oh, then some people just want to do something else and yeah sometimes there, there's variation within a family because I think that's not often shown so yeah I just kind of wanted to show that it can be really different and it's
1: not always loss. Well it's been so lovely to talk to you thank you so much for making the time to come and chat to us. Oh, thank you for
2: having me it's been really interesting. <laughs>
0: This podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by us, Kate Robinson
1: and Maria Birch Morninger. Just two wahini hakia making a podcast. The music that you're listening to is by Green Twins, and this is their amazing song, Take It Slow. You can find it on Spotify. And if you want to know more about Nick's story, you can tune in to one of our previous episodes. This work
0: was developed with the support of Footscray Community Arts through the generous use of their podcast
1: studio here on the lands of the Kulin Nation. Our project is also supported by Maribyrnong City Council Community Grants Program and the Victorian Government through Creative Victoria. We also really want to thank Auspicious Arts for all their help.
0: Thank you! We love feedback! If you are listening and loving it, uh, you can find us on Instagram at Podcast or send us an email at beingbiracialpodcast at gmail.com. We would also love it if you could leave us a review. That is one of the best ways to
1: support us. And if you liked this episode, why not subscribe? Bye. Bye.